Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the letter of 2 John? If your Bible is like my Bible, it's, it's on one page. It's on half a page. In fact, I want you to look at the letter of 2 John, and I want to read the whole letter. It's pretty short, and I just want to read all those verses, 13 verses in all. We began looking at 2 John last week, and we're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday, but I want to read from the beginning to the end of this little letter. 2 John, are you there? Let's look together. Follow along with me as I begin at verse 1 in, in this little letter of 2 John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. As we closed our study last time, we noted in verse 4, John said that he rejoiced to learn that there was evidence of people in this church to whom he wrote who were, the little phrase, walking in the truth. They were walking in the truth. Now, remember, I noted last week the elect lady here. I just read it and in these introductory verses. The elect lady and her children. Uh, most Bible scholars agree and believe that, that he's speaking to a church and its members, not an individual and her children, but a church and its members. And so keep that in mind when we think about this and the challenge here and the encouragement here to guard the truth, to know the truth, and to Walk in the truth. What is it to walk in the truth? To walk in the truth means, I'll just state it simply this morning, and we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper as we go, but simply stated, to walk in the truth means to believe God's truth, to believe the Bible, and to obey God's truth, to obey the the Bible. 
To walk in the truth is to to believe the Bible and obey the Bible. Believe God's truth and obey God's truth. And believing and obeying the truth begins with... Do you know where it begins? It begins with believing in Jesus Christ. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard that in the text that I read, which we will get to, Lord willing, in the future here as we progress through these verses together. You heard that if anyone does not believe in Jesus Christ in the flesh, he does not believe the truth. It begins with belief in Jesus Christ, believing and obeying, walking in the truth begins by believing in Jesus. So how do you walk in the truth? Well, the truth must first abide in you. It sounds like I, I keep adding things on here, doesn't it? It, it, it? it begins by the truth abiding in you. You believe in Jesus and then the truth abides in you. What does it mean that the truth abide in you? That's another good question. I'm glad you asked. What does it mean when, when the truth abides in you? When you walk in the truth, it's because of, as seen in verse 2, the truth abides in you and will be with you forever. But how does that truth abide in you? Again, this too begins with belief in Jesus. You cannot have the truth abiding in you, living in you, growing you without faith in Jesus Christ, first of all and foremost. Again, this too begins with belief in Jesus because belief in Jesus brings the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit brings the word of truth and helps us understand the word of truth. It's one of the things that I take great courage in as I have opportunity to preach and teach the Bible and do so, I know, with frail lips and with frail phrases. I know I cannot do justice to God's word at every turn. I know that I can't meet with my simple teaching every need that you might feel like you have. But I am confident I am confident in the Bible. I am confident in God's Word that the Holy Spirit in God's people takes my frail and and sometimes really weak teaching and takes what He wants you to know and teaches it to you and instructs you with it and gives you just what you need when you need it. And I can leave the pulpit confidently knowing that God will take the words that He intends to use in your life and He will not waste them. He will accomplish the good purpose for which He intends it. And so I take great comfort in that. And I can sleep at night knowing that I'm not the greatest preacher on earth, right? You cannot be the greatest preacher on earth. There can only be one, right? And you know I'm not him. We got that out of the way, right? But God's word is powerful. As you search for your next pastor, you need to know he's not going to be perfect. You want him to be, I know, but he's not going to be. You didn't pick a perfect pastor three years ago. You're not going to pick a perfect one this time either. But God's word is perfect. And that pastor is going to come and proclaim the truth of God's word, I trust, because you're going to find a man who believes the Bible and preaches and teaches God's word. And he is going to instruct you with the truth of God's word. And he is going to leave this pulpit assured that his frail teaching will take root in your hearts because God's people have the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Right? When we gather for teaching, not just from the pulpit, but teaching in our Sunday school classes and teaching that will begin soon here on Wednesday nights. Teaching at other times. None of us are perfect teachers. 
But God's word is perfect and God's word is sure and God's word remains and the Holy Spirit abides forever and the word abides forever. You have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And all teachers of God's word ought to take great confidence in that. That we bring the truth as best we can. We do diligence. We work hard to teach well and clearly. But we rest in the fact that we're we're not going to teach perfectly all the time. And we know that God's going to take the word and use it anyway. In spite of us. In spite of our failures at times. And in fact, he's going to do far more than we could even imagine. And I praise God for that. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to rely upon and depend upon. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you ought to take great courage in that. That as you go into this week, as you take the Word into your life, you take the Holy Spirit with you, you take the Word with you, you take the instruction of the Holy Spirit with you to help you at each turn. Depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Abide in Christ. He abides in you. His Word abides in you. So how you walk in the truth, the first, first the Word must abide in you. When you walk in the truth, it's because that that statement in verse 2, that truth that abides in you and will be with you forever, you take the truth. You believe it. You obey it. That's walking in the truth. We're going to keep digging into this and fleshing this out a little bit this morning. As the Bible says, back in 1 John 2, back when we looked at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One And you all have knowledge. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the anointing of the Holy One. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit illuminates truth from the Bible in the heart and in the mind. And it shows up in the life. It shows up in the way we live. Because we believe the truth. And the Holy Spirit takes our faith and His Word and grows us in obedience to Him. So how does the truth abide in you? The truth abides in you by way of the Holy Spirit that indwells you as a believer in Jesus. In fact, you would not have believed in Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus today, if you say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, my faith is in Him alone for my forgiveness of sins and salvation. If that's you today, even that act of faith and obedience was started by the Holy Spirit. God began that work in you. You would not have believed in Jesus had the Holy Spirit not done the revealing work, opening your eyes to see and believe the truth, helping you understand the truth. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. And then in verse 27, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And so Christ abides in believers, His Word, His Spirit abides in us, and we abide in Him by taking up the Word and taking steps to obey. So again, to walk in the truth means to believe God's truth, to believe the Bible and obey God's truth, obey the Bible. So I want you to take note of something very important. To walk in the truth, to believe and obey, get this, to believe 
and obey are both commands. We've seen this before back in 1 John. Again, 1 John chapter, now chapter 3, where the Bible says in chapter 3 and verse 23 in 1 John, and this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. We often put the emphasis on the love, the commandment to love, and that is a command, but the emphasis at the beginning of that verse is the commandment to believe. We often only think of obedience to God as the command, but belief of God's truth is also a command. You may have overlooked that. You may have not stopped and thought about that. I'm asking you to do that this morning. I want you to think about that fact that belief is a command. The belief in the truth of the Bible is commanded. God expects you to believe what He teaches you. And not just obey, but He also expects you to believe. You, you may have overlooked that fact that belief is commanded as well as obedience. In fact, belief in God's truth is the first step of obedience. When you begin to hear the truth of the Scriptures taught to you, explained to you that, that Jesus Christ came, that He was born as a baby, but lived as a man and lived a sinless life, and then He went to the cross and was crucified, not for His wrongdoing, but for our wrongdoing. The Father intended for His Son to be crucified so that, so that our sins could be paid for, our debt could be paid. And then Jesus having died and been buried, then rose from the dead on the third day. When you begin to become exposed to those truths in the Scriptures and you you believe, that belief is your first step of obedience. And so when John sees obedience, he rejoices. When, When John sees belief in the truths of Scripture, when, when John sees people in the church who are walking in the truth, what does he do? He rejoices. He rejoices. He sees faith. He sees belief. He sees it in, in, in some of the people in the church and their obedience. And then he begins to rejoice. He rejoices greatly. He is overjoyed. And when he learns that there are people to whom he is writing, he, whether he sees them in the community or whether he has heard of them, he learns that they are walking in the truth. These people in whom the truth is abiding, he learns that they believe. He learns that they obey the truth. He rejoices. And that ought to be something that your pastor and your leaders have an opportunity to enjoy also as they observe the life of the body of Christ at First Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, that they see God's people believing and obeying the truth that will bring them great joy. That will bring them great joy, great encouragement. I trust that 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 is true of them. I've seen it. I have enjoyed it. I have found great joy in observing your belief in the truth and obedience to the truth. How John rejoiced, I think, is a good encouragement to us to be thoughtful about 
how our obedience, our belief and obedience to God affects others, affects those around us, especially our leaders. John was happy. He rejoiced that there were people in the church who were believing in the truth that was being proclaimed and obeying. Not just obeying, but believing the truth. You may not have given much thought to bringing your pastor and your leaders great joy, but let me encourage you to think about that, especially as you pray and consider who God has for you next. Who will be your next pastor? Consider how you might bring him great joy in the days and months and years to come as the Lord tarries, as he observes you following the teaching from the Word, believing the Bible, and obeying it. And your leaders, your leaders with Him. You will bring your pastor and your leaders great joy by believing the truth and obeying the truth. Not just obeying the truth, but believing it also and taking that belief and taking steps to obey. Giving evidence that the truth abides in you. I think there's a helpful example of the opposite of this. Sometimes an opposite is a good teacher to us. I think there's a helpful example of the opposite of this seen in Hebrews 13 and verse 17 where the Bible commands you to obey your leaders this way. When the Bible says, Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. That's the negative side of it. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You want to bring your pastor, your future pastor, and your present leaders great joy? You might think that this sounds authoritarian, but obey them. Their job, your spiritual leaders, are to be leading you spiritually. How do they do that? They do it with the truth of the Bible. That's the standard by which we conduct all of the affairs of the church, isn't it? It should be. The Bible is our rule and standard of all conduct. And that should be no less seen, even more so seen in the pulpit in the preaching and teaching, in the Sunday school class, in the Sunday school room, in the Wednesday night teachings, that the Bible is our standard for teaching. And you can obey your leaders as they teach you the truths of Scriptures. You obey what they say, what they teach from the Scriptures. You And you read the Scriptures for yourself so you know you can measure what they say by what the Bible says. And you can say, yes, this is truth. That's right. I must obey this. This is God speaking to me, not my pastor. This is God's Word speaking to me. And He's bringing it to my memory. He's reminding me. He's instructing me. He's trying to give me new insights, new ways to understand this so that I can take the truths of God's Word and obey. They are to be leading you spiritually in the truth of the Bible, leading you with God's truth, and obeying their leadership from from the Word of God honors God and brings them great joy. There's something I could encourage you that will really help your next pastor is bring him great joy by being obedient to the word, believing the truths of scriptures as he teaches them and being obedient to them. That will bring him great joy. That will bring your other leaders great joy. The negative side of that from that Hebrews 13, 17 passage is that they would groan at your disobedience 
groan that as they teach, you don't get it. You don't practice it. You don't believe it. You don't obey it. Don't, don't let that be true of you. And I don't believe that that will be true of you. I have seen otherwise. And I praise God for that. I praise God that, that God has give, given me evidence. God has given your, your leaders evidence that you believe and obey the truth. But, but we need this reminder, don't we? But the joy of your pastor, the joy of your leaders is not actually the most important thing here. It's good that we see John is full of joy as he sees God's people believing and obeying. But that's not the most important thing here. What is most important is that you obey God's commands. And what God commands is that you believe the truth. Let's begin there. Believe the Word of God. Believe the Bible. You might say, well, I believe the Bible. And I think a pretty good measure of whether or not you actually believe the Bible is whether you read the Bible. Do you read it? You believe it. Do you read it? Do you, do you take part of God's Word each day and apply it to your life every day? That would be my challenge to you. If you say you believe, then you definitely need to read it so you'll know what it says so that you can obey it. Let the Holy Spirit take the Word of God as you read it, as you, as you grow in faith and believe it and obey it. But you need to read it. You need to take it in. Believe the truth of God's Word and obey His truth, but you need to read it to do that. And John begins this letter with the emphasis being on truth, and so truth is important, and it's necessary, absolutely necessary, that you take in the truth, that you read it for yourself. If you're going to hold to the truth, you need to know what it is. And so he begins this letter with this emphasis being on truth, because truth is the foundation of your belief and your practice. Truth is a hedge against being led astray by false teaching. You heard that also as I read this little letter, these 13 verses. Truth is a hedge against being led astray by false teachers. So it's critical that you be devoted to the truth of God's Word. That you be devoted to not only listening to it being proclaimed and preached and taught in the many opportunities you have to receive it, but also that you sit down and read it for yourself and take it in and and give... Give the Holy Spirit the control of your life as you surrender to the Word and ask for His work in you and for His wisdom to live. So it's critical that you be devoted to the truth of God's Word. If you believe it, you will obey it. If you do not believe it, you will not obey it. If you aren't devoted to believing and obeying the truth of God, then you'll believe pretty much anything. And you'll be led to believe that you can live any way you think you would like to. That also is a risk, a great risk. And it's not just false teachers. It's not just false teachers that put us at risk as we might follow them. But it's also following our own wants and wishes and desires as we stray from the truth. Believe the truth of the Bible and you will be guarded from much error. You'll be guarded from thinking that you can live any way you like. Departing from the truth of God's Word to live any way you wish. Following the ways of the world to thinking you can live any way you, you like and still have the joy that God promises. And for God's grace and mercy and peace to rest on your life, as you see in verse 3, you can't afford to live any way you wish. Walking in the truth is the only way to truly live as God intends. And it's the only way to have the peace that God promises. 
And to walk in the truth, to live in a manner that's pleasing to God is not the only command we're reminded of here. This is interesting, I think. It's not the only command. There's something that comes from the truth, and this too is commanded. Look again at verse 5. Look at the Bible, verse 5. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. John is reminding his readers here that they are also commanded to what? They're commanded to love. This is not John's command. This is God's command. We heard it. Back in 1 John, we heard it very clearly in 1 John. We also hear it in the the Gospel of John. Jesus gave the command in John 13, verses 34 and 35, where the Bible says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There is fruit that grows from belief and obedience and the fruit the fruit is love and the the outcome of this love is not just is not just peace and harmony in the body of Christ that's that's one of the points that's one of God's desires that we have peace and harmony in the body of Christ as we work together for the kingdom of Christ but it's also so that the world will know whose we are, and the world will believe what we believe because they can see it at work in us. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, we hear Jesus say in the Gospel of John. Believers who know and live and obey the truth of God are bound to love. In fact, I mean that two ways. They are bound to love, and what I mean, first of all, is that those who know and obey the truth are destined to love others. You cannot believe the Bible and take steps to obey it and not grow in your love. Imperfect as it will be at times, you cannot, you cannot fight this truth. You cannot resist this truth that, that there may be people in your life that you find it hard to love, but God wants you especially to learn to love them. He has given you His Word and the indwelling presence of His Holy Spirit for this And He has given you the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave the command that we are to love one another just as He loves us. Do you know how Jesus loves us? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 25, that Jesus loves the church and gave Himself up for the church. Meaning He died for His people. He gave up His life for us. That's the example of love that God's children are to live by. Sometimes we think loving people is difficult. We don't know how hard it actually is. Try giving up your life. Try giving up yourself, your selfishness, your your own natural Desires, the things that you naturally do to preserve yourself and to take care of you and to think about yourself first and to begin to think of others first. That is difficult. That is hard. 
Jesus gave up His life for us, and that's the example of love that God's children are to live by. And so we have no new commandment here. We have an old commandment we're being reminded of with the example of Lord Jesus Christ, just as we heard back when we studied in 1 John. And people who believe and live by and obey God's truth will learn to love just as Jesus demonstrates His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, as the Bible says in Romans 5.8. While we were still sinners. In other words, Jesus loved us in spite of ourselves. While we were still His enemies, says the Bible, He loved us and He loves us still. And we are also, I said we were bound to love as in we were, we are, if we begin to obey the Word of God, we can't help ourselves but begin to learn to love others, we are also bound to love as in we are obligated to love. We see that clearly here. John says that it's not like he's writing something new that they've never heard or been taught before. He's simply reminding them of Jesus' teaching. Not as though, look at verse 5 again, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. It's incredible to me how many times we're reminded of this, that we're to love one another. I mean, if they already knew the commandment, why is he reminding them? It's possible there was friction in the church. John doesn't tell us. But you and I both know, we know it to be true about human beings. Where there are people, there are differences of opinion. We got a number of how many people there were here this morning. We, we would have a number of how many different opinions there are here. Right? We all have different opinions. We are, we are well aware of that. Where there are people, there are differences of opinion, differences of preference, differences of taste, differences of attitude, and our background and our upbringing and our experiences and our preferences all contribute to our differences. And where there are differences, there's friction. And where there's friction, there's what? Heat. <laughs> and we don't like heat. Where there are people, the church will always benefit from being reminded of this command, that this is no new command. It's one we've had from the beginning. What's the command? It's, again, uh, that we love one another. I think it's fitting that we be reminded because we so quickly forget. We so quickly gravitate back to being selfish, back to thinking about our own needs. But I don't feel like loving, we say. Uh, how could I com be commanded to love when I don't feel like it? And my, how we struggle with this. I don't love that person. How can I love them? They're mean. They're unlovable. They never smile. Who could love that person who never smiles? They're always cross. They're always disagreeable. They're so opinionated. And on and on go our excuses for not obeying God's command to love one another. We so quickly return to those excuses, don't we, when we struggle. And if we think that way, I believe we misunderstand the nature of Christian love. We misunderstand the nature of what it means to love like Jesus loves us. Jesus didn't love us because we were so lovable. Again, the Bible tells us we were enemies of Christ. 
He chose to love us in spite of ourselves. Commentator John Stott points to this kind of difficulty that we have when we have this disconnect. We, we begin to argue our way you know, into reasoning why we don't need to love someone. Commentator John Stott points to this kind of disconnect when he writes, It is when faith is regarded as an intuition and love as an emotion that they appear to lie beyond the sphere of duty. But Christian faith is an obedient response to God's self-revelation in Christ. This revelation has a moral content. If people hate the light, it is because their deeds are evil. They do not believe in the Son because they are resolved not to obey Him. This is why unbelief is sin and the unbeliever condemned already. You see, obedient Christian love is this, says Stott. Christian love belongs to the sphere of action rather than emotion. It is not an involuntary, uncontrollable passion, but unselfish service undertaken by deliberate choice. In fact, the command to believe and love go together. They go together. Look at verse 6 again. The command to believe and love go together. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. How do you love if you don't believe? You need to believe the truth of God's Word This is love, that we walk according to His commandments. Believe and obey. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Walk this way. Walk in the truth. Walk in the light of God's Word and learn from the Word how to love those who you think are so unlovable. How do you walk according to God's commandments? You believe them first. Believe them, then you obey them. That's walking in the truth. That's walking according to His commandments. And if you believe the truth, your life will bear evidence that you believe and you will learn to love one another. That's how you'll be bound to love. Believe. Believe the Word of God. I think this is where we struggle at times because we don't truly believe everything that the Bible teaches us. We don't truly love as we should. We don't learn to love as we should. We don't have the conviction to learn to love as we should. But if you believe the truth, your life will bear evidence that you believe and you will earn to love one another. You will not love because you feel like it. You won't always feel like it. You will love because you are obedient to God's command to love like Jesus, to follow Jesus. And that means following Him into love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and even those who would call us their enemies. You will know the truth when you submit yourself to the truth of God's Word, when you believe, when you say, I'm going to believe God's Word, I'm going to submit myself to the Word of God to to let my life be shaped by it, to let my thinking be shaped by it, to allow my love to be shaped by it, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
free to love, free to obey, free to walk in the truth. Love is, as John Stott says, an unselfish service undertaken by deliberate choice. This is what God is calling to the church to, to sit up and take notice of today. I believe that, that God is, God's Word is calling us to choose, choose to love. When it's so hard to feel that way, it's, it's, it's not the feeling that we're to follow. We're to follow obedience to God's Word and choose to love. And that is hard, isn't it? We find that so difficult in our humanity. We find that so difficult in the nitty-gritty of life's experiences to take that step and obey when everything in us is trying to protect ourselves. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ who led by example, who did not protect Himself, who allowed Himself to be taken and nailed to a cross where His blood was spilled, His body broken, His, his body tortured, And then He died, bearing the weight of the punishment for our sins, even even while we were His enemies. Are you taking God's words seriously? Are you doing away with your arguments? (laughs) Are you letting God's Word tear apart your arguments and destroy them? Are you believing God's truth? Are you walking in the truth? Are you taking deliberate steps to love one another as Christ loves you? I believe that's a challenge. I know it's a challenge. I feel the challenge. Uh, I'm guessing you feel the challenge. You know this is difficult, but this is what God calls us to from His Word. And then He gives us this encouragement that we've been hearing again and again. We have His Holy Spirit. We have His Word. We have His help. God expects us to believe, and then He also expects us to take steps to obey. You might find yourself finding you might find yourself finding it difficult to believe. I would challenge you. I would encourage you to begin taking steps to obey. You need the help of the Holy Spirit for this, and so I talk. I would say talk to God in prayer about this. Ask for His help to believe. Ask for His help to obey. But take steps to obey. Are you walking in the truth? Are you reading the Bible for yourself? Are you taking that word of truth that God has blessed you by giving it to you in print in the Bible and and taking it to heart and saying, this is God speaking to me. I must obey. Take steps this week to obey the truth that you are reading in God's word. word. The word of truth that you know you must obey. Ask God for strength and help and faith to believe. Ask Him for strength to obey. And then take deliberate steps to love one another as Christ loves you. In these last three years, I have often seen your faith. And I praise God for that. I have seen your obedience. I have seen your love in action. And with Paul, as the Bible says, I can say from 2 Corinthians 1.3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. We ought always to give thanks to, to God for you, brothers, sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. I see it. I see God's love growing in you. I praise God for that. I want to hear, as we 
trek to Barakal soon. We hope to be to Camp Barakal before too long. We're getting closer every week in our support rate, uh, raising needs. I want to be able to hear about First Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant. They're growing in the truth. Their, their love for one another is flourishing and thriving. And this is a powerful testimony to the community who's, who's watching, who's, who's seeing believers from First Baptist Church. And they're taking steps of obedience themselves. They're, they're believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I praise God for the evidence of your growing faith and obedience. But I also know that where there are people, there is friction. There is no church on earth that is excluded from this problem. There is no perfect church. (laughs) There is no church without friction because there is no church without people. (laughs) And where there are God-fearing people, where there are Bible-believing followers of Jesus... You also have an adversary, the devil, who is prowling about like a lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking someone to derail from the truth. He is hard at work, doing all he can to disturb your unity and love. Do not let him have the upper hand. Do not let him have the victory. Believe in the truth of God's word. Take steps to obey. Learn to love one another. So it's essential that you remember that your obedience begins with your belief of God's truth and your obedience continues as you walk in the truth that abides in you and your love for one another and for all people that you meet grows from the abiding truth that you believe and obey. It grows from that. It grows from that abiding truth that God gives you His Word. He gives you His Spirit. And your love for one another will grow from the truth of the Word of God that dwells in you richly and shows itself in your belief, in your faith, and in your love. This is what God is calling to us to believe and obey. Even as we depart here in a few moments, to take this truth with us, to say, this is God speaking to me. I must obey. I must honor Him in this way. I pray that that's your desire. I trust it is. Let's, let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, how good and gracious and loving and kind and generous and long-suffering you are and patient you are with us. And we praise you for that. God, help us to not think that we can take advantage of your patience. Help us to sense the urgency today to look at each of our lives, to to look at our own lives and say this life is a life that that needs to be lived for the glory of God. That God has been gracious and generous to give me this life to be lived. And now I want to live it with purpose. I want to live it with belief in the Word of God and the promises of God. I want to believe in In the Holy Scriptures, the Word that He has been so good to give me, to guide me in this life. And so I want to live this life fully and wholly for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to begin with belief and obedience to His Word. And I want to learn to love my brothers and sisters in Christ and those who even call me enemies. I want to learn to love them as Christ loves the church and gave Himself up for her. Lord, let that be the heart cry of our of our souls, of our lives, that we would long to live lives that bring you great glory and honor.
that the world watching might see the truth living in us and growing us and changing us. Only the truth of God can do that. And God, I pray that you would take unbelieving hearts and minds and and bring belief. Give them faith. Give them hope and strength to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. God, I ask that you would move in the hearts of unbelievers and the minds of unbelievers to look to Jesus and to him alone for their salvation and forgiveness of sins. And then I know, I, I thank you with great confidence that you will move in and take up residence in your, with your Holy Spirit and, and that you will bring the Word to take root. I pray that that would be true of each and every believer in this room, that we would turn to the Word daily so that it might take root in us and change us from the inside out. Lord, we know how difficult this is as we face daily challenges in relationships and difficulties and hardships and choices and opportunities. We know how difficult this is to believe and obey. But God, help us so that our love for one another might abound more and more just as your love for us abounds and never fails and will never cease, never runs out, never ends. We praise You for Your love for us. We thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We praise You for Your Word that instructs us. Help us, God, to take Your Word from this place in our hearts, in our minds, in our hands that we might apply it to our lives and live for Your glory. That people might see Christ in us and and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.